the title of this class, it's an adult class, so we good with that? Okay, all right. It says, what my African friends have taught me about evangelism and discipleship. And I, I really appreciate that title because it tells me Nathan doesn't think he's the expert. <laughs> and is he in here? Where is he? Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. I took my glasses off. Um, if there's anything I learned while in the mission field is how much there is to learn. And, and I just appreciate the heart of this focus that um, while he's there to teach and to pass on what God has given him, he realizes there's so much there that the brothers and sisters and the people there have to share with him. So I really, really appreciate that heart of humility in his learning spirit. And, and really, years ago, our elders said, hey, the focus of our church is going to be to make disciples of all nations. And so um, Nathan is lining right up with what our elders believe Jesus has told us is important for the church. So Nathan, thank you for that. I'm going to say a prayer and then uh, turn it over to Nathan. Let's pray. Father, I think that uh, every single one of us would admit that we have a lot of room to grow in as far as the theme of evangelism is concerned. We do pretty well with the interaction, the family relationships, and having closeness with one another, but Father, we just struggle with courage and barriers of fear to, to reach out and share our faith with our lost world. So we thank you for Nathan and for Moyo and for their example and their lives of, of being on the front lines of sharing Jesus with others. And we thank you for those that they interact with that have passed on so much to them that they've learned from. And I pray that you'll use Nathan and his words and Nathan and Moyo and their lives and their example while they're here to <coughs> to rub off on us that we can understand that a missionary is not somebody that has to go to another country, but we are missionaries the moment we step out this door. So we thank you for Nathan and Moya. We pray that you will bless their family and bless their work, and especially give them a, a, a needed rest while they're here. Father, we thank you for this church family, and we look to you and trust you as the chief shepherd of this family to guide us and lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hello again. Um, I didn't check my markers. Hopefully they work. Um, well, welcome to Wednesday night. Um, I'm going to start with, uh, I know at least one person hasn't been here. You didn't come the first week, right? No, I wanted to get the bass right in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm going to do a quick review starting back two weeks ago. Um, so uh, I'm going to take my jacket off. The, the first week we talked about some brutal facts. And basically, the summary of that is, if we want to reach about 10% of the population of Colorado Springs, we're going to have to 
the, the end result of that is going to be we're going to have to plant another about 400 churches. Um, that's a lot of people, a lot of churches, a lot of work. Um, and uh, so in order to do that, we need, kind, we need a plan. What are we going to do? How, how do we go about that? What we've been doing in the past, uh, at least in the past, say, 20, 30 years, uh, is not going to get us there. We're going to have to do some things different. Um, so one of the things that I've, I've picked up in Africa, this is not for me. I didn't come up with this. This is what my African friends have taught me about the four fields. So you've got four fields. Uh, you've got the, let's see, how do we draw this again? Oh, shoot. Yeah, basically you've got the empty field. You've got the seeded field. You've got the growing field. And you've got the harvest field. Okay, can somebody tell me what the empty field represents? Yeah, just basically a new area, new people, a new place, uh, people or places or, you know, whatever, where the gospel has not been... Uh, basically people who don't know God. People who are far from God are where you will you will find them in the, the empty field. The seeded field, what does that represent? Planning this, yeah. People I've heard of it know something right. about it. Yeah, so this is, I mean, these are basically baby Christians, you know, people who have heard, um, and you know they're starting to grow the growing field what so what we we can call this you know evangelism this is our evangelism quadrant here we've got the 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 growing field what would that be somebody whispered it no who said that Jeanette yeah discipleship and then over here we have the harvest field what is the harvest in this particular church, church, this is the church. You've 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 gathered the believers together into a group. You've got your you know your bundles of you know wheat or whatever it might happen to be. Maybe it's sugar cane. Um, <laughs> well, this this is just an agricultural uh, metaphor. So then, uh, who? Who was it that was talking about eating your corn? That was, yeah. Um, so if this is corn, we don't eat all of our corn, right? Why, why do we not eat all of our corn? We've, we've got to have some to send into the empty field. And what will happen in the empty field? Hopefully it will be planted. And of that seed that's planted not all of it's going to grow uh, but some of it will start growing and so those people will need to be discipled 
And then as we're discipling people, we're bringing them together in community, which might mean bringing them to church here at Eastside. It might mean something else. That I think that's the thing that we get really, really hung up on. But uh, in, we, we have disciples. We need to bring them into community where they can grow together. And then the cycle starts all over again. So you have this cyclical pattern. It, it should keep going and going. And you see how if you are able to kickstart this process, then we might actually start to have some growth, right? Any questions so far? Is that, does that make some sense? Okay, so this is what we call the four fields of evangelism, discipleship. There, the, people call it different things, but basically the four fields. So if you hear people talking about four fields, this is the, the essence of what, or the, it's, it's a framework for thinking about uh, evangelism and discipleship. And each of, the, each of the fields has different tools. You use different tools at different times when you are in, you know, when you're harvesting, you don't use the same as when you're planting um, and so, so on and so forth. Okay, so uh, we started in the empty field last week. So does anyone remember what we talked about last week? I know Angeline does because she's talked to me about it. Anybody else? Well, I wasn't here, but I'm guessing you've got to prepare that soil before you can plant seed. Yeah, that's 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 part of it. Building our circle of relationships. Right. So we worked on relational maps. Just curious, has anybody thought more about their relational map over the week? Is anybody willing to very quickly share their relational map? No. It's okay. Okay, so I shared my relational map. Uh, basically, I've got me. I'm right here. This is me in the middle. Um, I talked about uh, Eduardo over here. He has a um, a little coffee shop, and his wife, and they have. Uh, a daughter that she's a baby but um, honestly I don't know the wife's name I talked about Sami over here he's uh, he's a good uh, what did I call him a, a, a baby daddy to one of the ladies in our building so um, he's not married to her but he takes care of his children and his you know former girlfriend I believe he's I believe he's married now, but uh, so he's he's a person that I've gotten to know. He he knows me, respects me. Yola, she's one of our other neighbors, and Ivandru, his son or her son. Um, uh, her estranged husband is a real scumbag, and Ivandru, as they were going through the divorce, Ivandru, I was there, and Ivandru really kind of, uh, I don't know, 
somehow I was just there. I, I, I wasn't even necessarily trying, but I was sort of a, not, I wouldn't say a father figure, but just sort of, he looked up to me. Um, and then over here we've got Hinoch, who is my, he's the guy that sells me car insurance every year. I have to renew my car insurance every year. And so I go into the same office and there he is. And he's gotten to know me partly because that's his job. When you're in insurance, you're trying to keep your clients uh, so they don't go somewhere else, you know, but he's done a good job and we've, we've really actually gotten to know each other pretty well. And he has a sister, Maria, that lives here in Colorado Springs that I'm trying to get in touch with. Um, you know, so this is just a very small part of my relational map. Obviously, I know a lot more people than this, but these are some of the people that they might be, uh, I mean, they are, they are an empty field, but people that I think might be willing to hear uh, maybe what I might have to say. Um, and so today we, we, we haven't cracked open our Bibles yet, and I feel kind of bad it just for time, but today we are going to get into our Bibles. And... As I say that, I forgot my Bible. But um, <laughs> Luke 10, uh, verses 1 through 9. I can just... Uh, Luke 10. Then the new world. <laughs> nope. There you go. Okay, can someone read Luke 10, chapters 1 through 9? I'll read it. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter first, say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Fill the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So when I was a, you know, like young, younger missionary in training at Harding, this was one of those verses where some of my missions professors and other people would say, it's really important that you, you know, eat the food, eat those caterpillars, eat those grubs, eat that, you know, those monkey brains, whatever. Um, <laughs> um, I, 
I, I, I don't think I don't think they're you know missiologically speaking I don't think they were off, but I don't think that's really what what Jesus is saying here. Um, what so we want to look through these verses. What are the things that Jesus is telling these seventy two? Is so the question is how do we go into an empty field? And I think Jesus very clearly gives us an idea of how do we enter an empty field in this in this story here. So what do we do? Let's start with what, what do we do? So what are the things that Jesus tells his disciples, the 72, when they go into a new city or town, what do they do? Pray. Pray. And I, I don't have my Bible right here, so I'm just going to have to trust you guys aren't trying to pull something over on me. Pray, but that sounds that sounds that sounds right. Okay, pray. What else? And they go two by two. Two by two. Mm-hmm. What else? Take our purse or bag. Well, we're not we're not doing don'ts yet. Oh, I'm sorry. We're doing do's. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, sorry. Bless the house that you enter. Bless the okay. Okay. I think there's a it's kind of a mindset who is the harvest plentiful go the mindset is there's actually receptive hearts here. Yeah. One of the reasons we don't reach out and go to the I've been doing good, nobody's really interested. Mm -hmm. so, no. You'd be shocked. The harvest is plentiful. So have that mindset. Yeah. Uh, have a mindset of Harvest. Harvest mindset. Yeah. That's really good. I like that. What else? Accept the hospitality. Yeah, accept hospitality. And eat those caterpillars. <laughs> Don't be a grumpy guest. <laughs> and I have eaten caterpillars. Oh. The, the caterpillars are much better than the, the palm tree grub things. <laughs> Have you had those? No, I had some grub trees, some worms that grow up trees. Yeah. The what, are you talking about the mapani worm? Yeah. Yeah, those are better than the the ones in the palm. They, they, they grow in like the palm, or not grow, but live in the palm, you know, that like coconutty type stuff. And they're like big, the size of your, almost the size of your thumb. Little grubs, little white, and they've got this hard shell head that's like a, like a un, un, unpopped popcorn kernel, <laughs> and and then the rest is just really juicy, like like one of those fruit gushers. Okay, uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but sorry, heal the sick. Okay. And tell them that the kingdom of God has come near. Yes. Announce the kingdom. Okay. We kind of skipped over also they were to bless the house. Yeah, I think uh, bless the house. Yeah, oh, we got that. Yeah. that. You may not be able to read my handwriting, but Angeline. Keep them awake, Eric. So, the verse 3 says go. It's one word. Go. go. Yeah, that, that's a really good one. Go, go. with the exclamation point. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, except hospitality. Yeah. Stay at one place. Yeah, that, that's kind of, you, you could put that in either one, but. We have send out workers in the harvest field. In the, yeah. It says to pray for yeah. laborers. Pray for laborers. Yeah. And send. Okay, what, ask. Ask the Lord to send out workers into the harvest field. Okay, let's just put the word ask there. Okay, so what are... And I, I think we've got most of the, the highlights here. Um, let's let's look at the don't do's, and then we'll talk about all of it together. So what, what do we not do when we're entering in an, an empty field? Carry no money. No money. No bag. No, no bag. No, no sandals. Yeah, <laughs> good markers. And greet no one on the road. Greet no one. On the road, specifically. I wonder why. So you wait until you get there. <laughs> why? Why do you not greet people? On yeah, the road? we'll we'll get to that. Okay, yeah, good, yeah. I'm yeah. Distractions. <laughs> yeah. Do yeah. Not move around from house to house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't don't house hop. Okay. Oh, more markers. Yay. Oh. Way better. Okay, what else? Really? <laughs> <laughs> was there anything else? No, is that it? Didn't you say there? Don't push it if they're not. Open That's and after verse nine. Sorry. What's after verse nine? What? What's in verse ten? Let's read. Let's read verse ten then. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to your feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, show this, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the, the, the dust off feet. We all know what that means, I think. Um so is that about it? Well, there was no sandals. Okay, no sandals. I, I, I guess they were probably wearing sandals, but they weren't supposed to bring extra sandals, probably. Um, okay, so let's, 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 let's talk about this. When, so we're, we, th this is us. We're, we're, we're here, this, we're the church, right? So we're wanting to go into an empty field. Okay. And you can think about this a lot of ways. This could be a new, like in, in this context, we're talking about disciples going into different villages and towns and cities or whatever. We can think about it that way. We can think about it like when, when my teammates and I, when we went into Angola, we had to think somewhat in these terms. But... I think for our purpose here in this class, I'm thinking more in terms of like our relational maps. So these are the these are the people that we've identified in our uh, 
in our lives, in our own relationships, how do we enter into their lives? And we're going to use this as a model. Um, so how, how, how do these concepts here apply to our, you know, our relational map? That's a question. <laughs> yeah. Approach trust in God, and I'm thinking specifically where he's taking, you know, telling him not to take in uh, shoes and money and all that. Trust in God that He will take care of you and He will bring an increase. Yeah, I think it's it's significant that um, He really didn't send them with anything. He sent them. Um, and not only did he not send them with anything, he prohibited them from taking things that they didn't need. So, uh, you know, we can't think into, oh, if we had more more money, you know, for different programs or whatever. That's not how you're going to reach the people on your relational map. Your relational map, you're going to reach people through relationship that doesn't necessarily need money what else the first thing on that list pray mm -hmm. reminds me because we think about in our life how i think about the song what lead me lord to someone today how's it go with it? we we have all kinds of opportunities but we don't always see them mm -hmm. and if we pray about that pray that the lord would lead me to open my mouth at the right time Right. And if, if we don't pray, we're going to start pursuing opportunities, which may not be the opportunities that God is trying to lead us towards. And we may just be asking for failure because maybe that wasn't even what God had in mind anyways. Yeah. Prayer is very essential. Yeah. I'd say that a lot of this is like the no money, no bag, except the hospitality is in that culture that they were in, hospitality was a big deal. And to come under someone's roof and to eat a meal with them was to bind yourself. Mm -hmm. and yeah. To have relationship. Right. And so that kind of opens the door then for, the, for you to plant the seed. Right. So I would, you're right. There, there's, hospitality was and is huge in that culture today and back then. I think hospitality is, we don't do hospitality in the same ways in in our culture, but I, I think hospitality still has its place. I think there's still so so that's that's a good thing to kind of look at. What what does it mean to be hospitable, or more for our case here, accept hospitality? What does it look like to accept hospitality in our culture? Because we kind of don't like to do that. And I think our life groups work as hospitality. Mm -hmm. um, we get to know the people that are new, mm -hmm. which to me, I think is great. Yeah. I think life groups are an incredible like potential for, you know, just evangelism and uh, not necessarily always, but, you know, they can be. Um, 
So what are some other ideas of how, what does hospitality or accepting hospitality look like? I think in general, we have been over the decades very hospitable amongst ourselves, mm -hmm. inviting, you know, I'm going to invite you over for dinner. Yeah. Well, we already I'm did. Yeah. <laughs> we're being hospitable. There's not an opportunity there for evangelism because we're brothers. Right. You know, we're real hospitable within ourselves. Within the harvest. Within the yes. harvest. Yeah. 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 Which, and that's good, but sometimes we don't expand it. But isn't it interesting though that we're not we're not taking hospitality to we're supposed to go and receive hospitality. That's kind of backwards, isn't it? Doesn't that seem backwards? Just show up on somebody's doorstep and say, hey, here I am. It, 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 it seems backwards to me. Well, I think Alan had the point is, in that culture, for a stranger to come into your community and to offer them a roof and a meal was very common. It's extremely uncommon in our culture for, mm -hmm. you know, travelers to be invited into somebody's home and whatever. It's just yeah. it's a whole different culture. Yeah, it is a different culture. Uh, Mom? I know in my lifetime, I participated in and witnessed um, circumstances where I denied hospitality, or like I didn't accept hospitality because their standards weren't up to my Christian standards. Like I was thinking, oh, they're drinking, or oh, they're, you know, whatever. They're doing things I don't do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's a difference between becoming part of them, right, and losing your opportunity. Yeah. So, what do you do when your neighbors across the street are having a, you know, a block party? You know, there's going to be alcohol, and Okay, so if, if you are a struggling alcoholic, then, you know, you get a pass, but, <laughs> but you know, if, if you, like, I mean, what would it look like to show up at a party with, you know, your neighbors and, you know, politely decline, you know, no, sorry, I, I you know, don't drink alcohol, but, you know, love to have a Coke. <laughs> Um, a lot like Jesus. Yeah. Because he was criticized for that. Yeah. You accept people where they are. Right. And develop that relationship. And if right. you don't accept people where they are, they're going to close that door in your face. Right. And if if you, thinking in terms of your relational map, that, that's a way to broaden your relational map. If you are accepting the hospitality, if you if you turn it down, uh, because, you know, they might be drinking or, you know, any number of things. And I'm not saying that there may be instances where there's stuff you just have to <laughs> say, no, I'm not going to have any part of that. If you're a recovering alcoholic, you wait until the next day and then minister to them in their hangover. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what a great opener. Say, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Jesus changed my life. And all of a sudden, boom, you got a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's where we're going to in in just a minute. Um, 
So any other ideas of just how, how can we accept hospitality from the people who people who are far from God? Any other ideas? So you did say go there, set up a church building, and help people come. You're getting out there where they are, living where they live, eating what they eat, and that really makes them feel like, wow, if they're interested in me and my culture and my food and my life. Mm -hmm. um, so there, but there's an intentionality, and I think all that stuff talked about is mostly just that word using a relation. We're trying to build relationships, not just to be friends, but to to win souls, and you're going to their homes, and you know we say well door knocking doesn't work anymore. Uh, I wonder is it that door knocking doesn't work, or we it doesn't work because we don't want to do it. So we we spent because we lack a lot of an time. hour and a half door knocking last night with my <laughs> little girls. And we accepted candy. <laughs> I think part of it ties back to when the verses that this is all in with is it's talking about reciprocated peacefulness. You know, you're, you go into this town or this you know, analogy, the field, you're not going in with this aggressive, antagonistic, or condemning disposition. You're you're going peacefully or even strategic really yeah and you're looking for a reciprocation of that peacefulness you're yes. looking for a person who before you have even preached to them you're looking for somebody who is agreeable to your presence you know so you're looking to establish a, a relationship um, and and then the hospitality starts yeah. And I would, again, I think we have to go back to Alan. In that culture, you were expected to show hospitality to strangers. Mm -hmm. If I look at my relationship map and say, okay, I'm going to wait till someone's hospitable and I'm going to accept it, <laughs> I think I'm going to be waiting forever. Because <laughs> that's not part of our culture. Right. So I, I think, yes, we should accept hospitality when it is afforded to us, but I don't think we wait for people to invite us into their homes. Like right. We have to be much more active. Right. Well, and, and they weren't waiting. They were going. And, you know, and I don't know exactly what that looked like. Well, I think when you when you go into another town or culture or whatever and you have no no resources, and that's what he says, don't take any resources with you, mm -hmm. then you're kind of at the mercy of others. So you're going in a spirit of vulnerability. And when you go in, a, in that spirit, people are a lot more open to you than if you go in in a position of power mm -hmm. and saying, Here, here's how it's going to be. And so, and a lot of that is, is not offending other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't go into their empty field and start saying, well, if you'll change your life and start doing right things, then we can have relationship. It's going where they're at and having a relationship so that then they can see that they need to change their life. Mm -hmm. Dad, did you have something? Yeah, the, the, uh, when you're trying to build a relationship, it's what Jesus was telling the folks here is, you know, do accept hospitality. But that's a, there's a big difference between that and alienating your, your uh, contacts or your relationships by 
taking advantage. Oh, sure. Yeah. Or, or calling him a scumbag. Nathan, I'm the type of person I have trouble knocking on doors. You know, they can start to cry or whatever. Yeah. And until <clears throat> we got a joy bus, I don't know if you ever heard of it. Yeah. We went and picked up kids. Mm -hmm. in um, poorer neighborhoods, and on Saturdays, I would go knock on the door by myself, and I had no problem doing it because I would have to ask them, is Johnny or Mary coming and riding the bus tomorrow to church? And that gave me an, a window of opportunity to talk to some of the parents and invite them to church. And um, so... Mm -hmm. And a lot of them invited me into their home and started asking me questions. So mm -hmm. they were showing hospitality, I would say. Yeah. So on on Mission Sunday, I I briefly shared a little bit about um, you know so so Jesus says to basically he's telling them to look for a person of peace. You know, so a person of peace is a person who receives the messenger. Um, receives the message, and receives the mission. Um, that's uh, one definition of a person of peace that, um, that I've heard. Um, and there, there, uh, there are examples in Scripture, you know, like uh, the woman at the well, uh, John 4, Mark 2, Levi, Luke 19, Zacchaeus, Mark 5, the demon-possessed man, Acts 8, the Ethiopian, Acts 10, Cornelius, Acts 16, Lydia, later in Acts 16, the jailer. These were all people who basically were these, these type, these people of peace that in, you know, whoever's, whatever the context was, Paul or whoever, kind of opened the door. They were, they had a heart that was ready to receive the messenger, the message, and ultimately the mission. Um, and just from my experience, like, I believe that God prepares these people, but we have to actually go find them. They're, they're not going to find us. Sometimes they will, but usually we, we're, we have to go find them. They're out there. Um, so one of my stories that I... I Think of when I think of a person of peace, I think of Charles, who I talked about on Mission Sunday. Um, he was the first person we called when we arrived in Angola, and he is one of my very dear friends and colleagues to today. Um, right now, he is probably somewhere teaching this same stuff. <laughs> he he has gone gung ho into the. Uh, Quatro Campus. He translated this stuff into Portuguese. Um, and um, so in February this year, um, we, Charles and I went to Cape, Cape Verde. Um, so if you think of Africa, there's Thank you. 
couple little islands out there. And so the two of us went to the capital city, Praia, because just like when my teammates and I, we went to Angola for the first time, we, um, we didn't know anyone there. Um, and, you know, we met Charles. He was our person of peace and to this day has been a partner in ministry. Um, you know, in this case, he, he already knew God. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't far from God. But he's the one that opened the door for us. So we went to Cape Verde together. And we knew no one. But we had a contact with a Brazilian hairdresser from the Church of Christ in Brazil. And so we just, we just had her phone number. Now, we, we had contacted her earlier and eventually told her we're coming. She kept asking, when are you coming? When are you coming? Oh, yeah, yeah, we want to come. We want to come. But, it, you know, finally, Charles and I were like, we just got to go. Like, she, it's like the Macedonian call. She's like, come, come, come. So not knowing anyone except for this Brazilian hairdresser, um, we arrive in the capital city of the Cape Verde Islands. And um, we uh, we meet her, you know, is basically we leave the airport, go into town, and we meet her immediately. And she's like, oh, uh, you know, I want to introduce you to some people. And she took us all over the island, introduced us to all of the, the different church leaders from different churches. And it's a funny story. So she, she got to Cape Verde 13 years ago. And she kept looking for a Church of Christ, but couldn't find one. And so after an exhaustive search, she finally decided there must not be a Church of Christ in Cape Verde. So she showed up at the Baptist Church one day, and she told the church leaders, the deacons, I guess, because they don't have elders. Um, or if they do, it's the deacons that do everything. Um, she told them, I am not Baptist but I cannot forsake the assembly, so I will be here every Sunday <laughs> and Wednesday night and whatever. And for the past 13 years, she has constantly reminded them that she is not Baptist. But she's, you know, I'm not Baptist, but I'm here. Um, and so when she found out that we had bought our tickets and that we were coming, she went and told all of the church leaders all over the city, every, everyone knows, loves, and respects Carmen is her name. And she said, my missionaries are coming, my missionaries are coming. And when we got there, all the churches, they were expecting us. And Charles has been teaching this four fields stuff. And he was saying, yeah, we, we do a four fields training. And they said, well, when do you start? And he said, well, we weren't actually planning to do any, we were just coming to see what, you know, to just kind of, kind of a, you know, Joshua and Caleb kind of thing, not a 72 going out kind of thing. Because um, we don't know, we have no relationships except for this one. But through Carmen, who has all of these relationships with dozens of denominations and church leaders from different churches, they were like, can you start tonight? And we did. We, we, we started a four fields training. We, we went three nights um, and 
we had participants from uh, church leaders from all different churches because they were hungry they want to know how do we reach our neighbors and they just ate it up and that group several of them have continued to today meeting once a week on Skype with Charles in Portuguese like they're continuing the training you know as we speak there are people of peace out there and uh, I think the, the the praying part here is we need to start praying that that God will lead us to our people of peace um, and it may not be uh, you know so in this Cape Verde case it was a relation like our relational map, which included this Brazilian hairdresser in Cape Verde, but then her relational map included all of these pastors, and their relational map included people all over the island. And the baptisms that we've seen from churches that are not really accustomed to baptizing people, it's amazing because they, they've got a WhatsApp group and they are so excited you know we baptized three people today but because we know they're working with this four fields thing they're not just baptizing people they're discipling them they're putting them together in in communities churches and then they're going out and reaching others it's it's really exciting so you may feel like you're not you know super i don't like knocking on doors either it's it's not my thing unless it's Halloween. I I don't really care. And I was telling Umoyo that I I love Halloween. It's I think it's one of my favorite holidays because that's when you meet your neighbors. That's when you see your neighbors, um, even if they're wearing costumes. But um, <laughs> um, so any thoughts? So what were you for Halloween? <laughs> I was a dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I look at this whole picture, it seems like there is a focused purpose of why you're doing this. And like you said, the harvest mindset, it's not you're just walking down the road talking about the weather. You're you have a mission that you're doing. Mm -hmm. That's why I said don't just stop and talk to people on the road. You have something to do. Get to it because you have a little bit of time mm -hmm. and use resources. Wisely. Yeah, and that leads us to we have 15 minutes, so we're going to go to the 15 seconds testimony. <laughs> um, okay, so one of the the big one of the big scary things about evangelism is what do I say? Like when, when I meet this person of peace, someone who seems to be like they might be receptive to what I would have to share with them. What do I say? What do I do? And, you know, so th this four field stuff, this is not all the answers. This, this, these are just some ideas. These are just tools is how they usually talk about it. So essentially the, the, the 15 second testimony um, 
is the idea is you need to know your story, okay? Most of the time when people tell their testimonies, and, I, and I'm not saying that you should never give a, an expanded testimony, but you need to be able to do it concisely, quickly, and you, you need to know your story well enough that you can share it very quickly. Um, because if you go on and on and on, you may just lose people. Um, so basically, you start with the cross, okay? There's, there was a time. So this is how you describe your life before, before the cross, okay? So, you know, and I'll be honest with you. I don't have a really f amazing conversion story. I don't like, I feel like my story is pretty boring, actually. But if I'm going to actually follow this 15 second testimony, I can say there was a time I was 10 years old when I was afraid. I got to where like I couldn't sleep at night. Like I really, I, I felt guilty. I was 10 years old. I hadn't committed any like major, I, oh, I ran over my brother with a bicycle on purpose one time. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, like I was, I knew that there were all these little things that added up. You know, I knew that I was not what, I that that my life was not always pleasing to God. And I knew that I couldn't do anything about it. So then one day so then one day um I believed that that Jesus was the answer. And I was baptized. Um, and now, because of Jesus, I have confidence. And I feel secure. Okay, so that's that's basically just the little. Uh, I, I should have brought you all notepads. I forgot, uh, so you could kind of write some of this down. But and, and we'll go over the, again this this again next week. Okay, so my fifteen second testimony. So when I'm 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 with one of my, you know, people on my relational map, and the moment seems right. It seems like. Now is the time that I need to, to say something. I can say something as simple as, there was a time when I felt guilty and afraid. I knew that I was a sinner, but that I couldn't do anything. And then one day I believed that Jesus could save me. I was baptized. And now, because of Jesus, I have confidence and I feel secure. And then you ask me, yeah. 
Do you have a story like this? And that's your 15 second testimony. So basically you've, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six. These two, I mean, there's not a whole lot of room for, you know, you, you can change it up a little bit, but, uh, but these two, I mean, everyone has a different story. You know, so like I said, I have a fairly boring testimony, but do you know what? So do a lot of people out there. Maybe they don't even have a testimony yet. Maybe they don't know Jesus, but maybe they're just not really bad people. You know, they, they haven't gone through a super rebellious period where they were on drugs or, you know, so those testimonies, as powerful as they might be for some people, just don't really relate to other people. Maybe my boring little old testimony where I was 10 years old and I just kind of did what was sort of expected of me, not, not because there was pressure on me or anything like that, but you know, I, it was, I had a very easy childhood, grew up in a loving family and church environment here. And I was baptized in that baptistry by Ken Pressler when I was 10 years old. And, you know, that testimony may actually mean something to some people that someone else who has a very graphic testimony uh, just they, they don't relate to. Does anybody here feel like they might be able to to do a 15 second testimony using this? <laughs> Sorry, my handwriting is horrible. But basically, it's there was a time when dot dot dot, and you can put any sort of you know. When I I was this way, I was that way. I was you know I was addicted to drugs, and I wanted to commit suicide. And then one day, uh, I met someone who told me about Jesus, and I was baptized. And now, you know I. Uh, I have a ministry helping drug addicts, and I, or whatever. Do you have a story like this? And it gives them an opportunity to tell their story. No, and that's fine. You, you may not. Your your testimony may not be for everyone here in the room. Um, that that's that's fine. But uh, you know, some of us may have. A story that they can share in 15 seconds and that might just open a door for yeah I'll share mine okay not everything <laughs> <laughs> no um, I went on a, uh, my first date with my late husband and we got to talking about church and I go I don't go to church and he goes well why not and I said because I don't feel like I need to and he goes well um, um, where you have you been baptized? And I go, sure, I have. And he goes, well, you're Catholic. I'm sorry, anybody is Catholic. But anyway, and I said, yeah. He said, well, you were sprinkled. You weren't baptized. I go, yeah, I was baptized. And he goes, no, you weren't. 
And he goes, yeah, I know. And he goes, I'm trying to hurry. And so then um, he said, um, you weren't able to say that I believe in Jesus Christ because you were a baby. So go home and read Mark 16, 16. I go, I have a copy of Bible. He goes, it's okay, read it. And so I went home and I found it. I didn't know where it was, but I found it. And um, I started going to church after I read Mark 16, 16, mm -hmm. because I had to believe before. And I couldn't have a baby. So anyway, that's my story. Okay. Yeah. And so next week, so basically I've just introduced this. Think about it a little bit. Um, uh, I wish there was... I wish there was a way I could share it with you in like some sort of written out way. But um, look, there's one thing you did that's, that's real helpful. The testimony is good just for us to remember this three components you showed us. Right. There's a before, during, after. This was me before. This is the process of transformation and change. This is where I am now. And the idea is to come up with There's three pieces that you can remember right, that. Right. And it and the idea is to come up with two words. For each of the three, so three or two words that are kind of your, so you you build your your sentences around the the words that are in here and try you. So you start with something along the lines of there was a time when I blah blah blah, then one day or something along those lines, you know I was I repented and I was baptized, something like that. Um, and now because of Jesus or something along those lines, this is how I am now. And you do it as quickly as possible because you're trying the, the what you're trying to get at is, do you have a story like this? You want to hear their story. You're sharing your story to open the conversation in a spiritual way. Well, it seemed to me like your first two words and your last two words were like the last two words were the the flip side or the answer because mm -hmm. Jesus, I'm the opposite. Right. Yeah. So I would challenge you if a few of you could come up with <laughs> a 15 second testimony, it would be wonderful. We will go over this again next week, and then we'll we'll continue. I wish I had four more weeks to continue this stuff because there's so much good material here that I will never get to, but we're out of time now. So, Richard, would you close us? Father, thank you for those who have touched our lives in the past and for the, the open hearts that we've had and, and the fertile ground and the seed that grew in us. And thank you for letting us be in the bundles together of the church family. Help us to uh, open our eyes and see you uh, working in us and help us to see opportunities to share this good news with other people and to have a real true focus of what you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks a lot. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission 
of making disciples of all nations.